You are listening to Keystone Stock Talk Podcast, episode 144. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for stopping by. This podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at www.keystocks.com. Come back often, and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or on iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter at Keystocks and on Facebook or via our 24-hour streaming radio station, pennystocks.fm. And keep submitting your stocks via the usual social channels or at our website, keystocks.com, for our Your Stock Artake segment. And we just might review your stock in an upcoming show and let you know if it is a buy, sell, or hold. We have a great show planned for you this week. We will start by looking at a tweet on Microsoft, which led to some interesting debate about market psychology and valuations. Our star of the week is no stranger to Keystone clients. Photon Control, symbol PHO on the TSX. The company has been a focus buy recommendation for the past seven years. On Monday, Photon, which is a leading manufacturer of fiber optic measurement solutions, announced it will be acquired. The stock is now up over 650% since our original recommendation. We'll let you know, know our thoughts on the acquisition and takeover. Our dog of the week is Village Farms International, symbol VFF on the TSX, one of the largest greenhouse growers in North America with, a total, with total sales of over $170 million in 2020. The company grows tomatoes, cucumbers, and now, of course, cannabis. Finally, in our Your Stock, Our Take section, we take a look at Cielo Waste Solutions Corp, symbol CMC on the CSE, a Canadian company engaged in the business of refining municipal and construction waste into high-grade renewable fuels. The stock has been a high flyer this year, but is it all sustainable? It is, well, we'll let you know. We'll give you our thoughts on that. Let's get into the show, guys. Um... How are you guys doing? I'd like to say first, first, before I ask you, happy Mother's Day or belated Mother's Day to all the mothers yes, out there. Yes, much appreciation I got to, to all spend, the mothers. Yeah, for sure. Without them, uh, we literally all would not be here, right? So, literally. You know, and, and, you know, yes, literally. We, I got to spend some time with uh, my mom uh, on the weekend, you know, sort still socially distanced, but, you know, they've had their first shot, so... Um, we got to spend some time with them uh, outdoors. It was fun. Uh, ordered some Cactus Club, had them over, played a socially distanced game of Clue with my daughter and them. That uh, was actually pretty fun. We, sometimes I dread the game Clue. My daughter really loves it, so we play it a lot. Do you um, dread it but, because she uh, always beats you? Of yeah. course. Uh, you know, and, but, but the thing is, you don't dread that because you're always proud when your kid can beat you at something, right? Anyone else, I want to kill them, right? But your kid can beat you and... You know, it, it seems somehow that it's okay. That's an extension of you, right? Yeah. Even if you're a competitor. Well, many parents person. say you're proud I'll, the first time, but then when it continually mm, yes, happens over I agree. and over yeah. and over again, yeah. it, it yeah, yes. you become less proud. Yes. Well, the TU, right? Yeah, as it happens over and over again. But again, you should. I'm still, I'm still somehow proud and impressed that your kids can destroy you at any game, right? So, but no, but yeah, it was fun. And then we had my mother-in-law over the next day, and we played Clue again. So, oh, yeah, double was, Clue. 
Well, we played Clue, the version where it's the game board, and then you play it where your daughter has you going all over the house, and somebody is murdered in the house, and you're in different rooms, and you have to find the murder items. So that goes on for, you know, the game itself is about half an hour, then there's seven hours of it throughout the house throughout the day, and that, that gets a little, you know, it gets a little long. The spontaneous rule change sounds like playing a game with a six-year-old. <laughs> oh, you know, you know the spontaneous rule changes are amazing. But anyways, it was a fun weekend. Did you guys get up to anything, Aaron? Well, we we did go out for uh, for lunch for Mother's Day lunch on the patio. Um, it was actually really hard to find a reservation on a patio, even though I started looking weeks before. Oh, yes. But we were able to find one um, at the restaurant at the Western Bayshore. So food was pretty good. But I have to say that uh, you know it was kind of like eating lunch in a wind tunnel. So it was mm-hmm. it was more of a more of a comedic kind of uh, experience than anything <laughs> else. But we, we we still had a good time. That's good. Uh, I could see that would be fun. It, it, so when you're at the Outlook, did you did you get flashbacks? I did. To, or sorry, yeah, I did, when you're yes. at, so, did you get the Weston, yes, right? I you flashbacks right the to the Outlook? Where we would normally have the World Outlook, of course, for anybody who doesn't yeah. know, that's the biggest event that we do every year at the Weston Bayshore in Vancouver, um, typically in February. And yes, it did. I, I wanted to actually, mm-hmm. I wanted to actually take some pictures and send them to you and, and talk about how yeah. now the Why nostalgic feelings that I was having. But I'm, oh, I'm really hoping good. actually, and legitimately, it made me really hope that we're going to be back there in person in uh, in twenty. Yeah, I know. I know a lot of our listeners take in that event every year, and it you know I sincerely hope we can go next year in person and sit down and chat with you know some of them and and really uh, you know. Go over what we picked this past year, the year before, and also just, you know, say hi in person would be great. So, Brennan, you'll be coming out too, you making bet. the journey. You bet. If we can get you out here, right? Yeah, of course. I missed yeah, it that. this last We're all year. hoping. Yeah, I know. We're all hoping we can do that. It'd be awesome. Did you get to uh, say hi to your mom, Yes, Brennan? I called my, mo- my mother, who is an absolute uh-huh. saint, and uh, <laughs> wished her a happy Mother's Day. And uh, yeah, just uh, honestly... In my she household, hung up or I on guess you, right? in my family, I guess every day is Mother's Day. I, you know, she always tells me how, uh, you know, I almost tell her too much how much I appreciate what she's done for me. But uh, I mean, can you really tell your mom, you know, too much how much she's done for you? I don't think so. So I'm always, you know, uh, the the other. Her, I uh, Brennan's a great son. The other thing that, I, that I'm just, his mom tells me that all the time. So the other thing I'm going to say that, and we, we didn't, we didn't script this or anything, but, uh, <laughs> but last week it was Brennan's birthday. It was. So we, uh, Aaron has promised to sing happy birthday to him right now. Aaron? I did. <laughs> just, I don't think anyone oh, really did not script that spot. at all. <laughs> oh. I thought you could do it in like a happy, well, happy birthday, birthday, Mr. President, you. right? Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday oh, to Brennan. Happy birthday to you. That's pretty good. Oh, wasn't well it? done. Now that is a excellent. That voice. was amazing. You have uh, the voice. You're of an saying agent. I picked the That's wrong career going into finance. Basically, mm-hmm. well, yeah. We knew that. And Ryan might have, you know, made the mistake. He, he probably should have went into comedy or something like that. You know, that's just mine. <laughs> no, that literally did not make a mistake in that No, respect. I know, I know. No, oh, we, we made the right choice. You bet. Okay, well, let's get into the show. That's enough of that. I came up into an interesting tweet over the weekend, obviously on Twitter. I let in some, some talking points this morning around the office. I'm just going to read out the tweet here. It's on Microsoft, a company that's been in our coverage for years now. Um, But it said, Microsoft is probably one of the most amazing companies ever built. 
But if you overpaid for shares in 1999, you'd have to wait until 2016 to break even. Of course, that's excluding dividends. So the point here is paying a good price is paramount. And then they included a chart. So you look back, you know, 16 years it took from 1999 to go to 2016 until the company broke even. Really good business, although we would quibble that it probably changed quite a bit over that period of time, and it did. But, you know, it took you, maybe you could say this is a good company identified, but it wasn't entered at the right price there. Um, there was also some replies to that, and I think this is more the, down the alley that I'd like to go. Um, one of the re- the tweets back or the replies was saying, that's a very, or a super rare in brackets, cherry pick example of overpaying and waiting so long for a great company. Paying a good price for an amazing company is absolutely not paramount. You will miss out on way, way more opportunities. So then the author replied, and I agree with this, not as rare as you might think, the entire NASDAQ index, so every stock, the index, um, took 16 years to recover. And some companies never came back. So, and then the, again, that same person came back saying an index is not an amazing company in brackets. And again, you are cherry picking from a peak. And then the, you know, you, you, as you go back and forth on Twitter, this is a pretty civil argument, which is nice to see for Twitter, but the, the uh, author comes back and says, you're more than welcome to find me one of those companies that recovered right away. Most took almost 10 years, including Amazon, one of the best companies in the world. The price you pay for a stock matters. And I think he means there the not just price, it's the value that you're getting underlying the business. And then finally saying you missed the point, anyone can cherry pick, paying a premium or overpaying for amazing companies has proven to be the right decision. I'm happy to do that anytime. So we can get into that debate now. Do you guys want to start? Sure. So I'll, I'll just start off because I, I do cover Microsoft myself. So just talking about the company yep. specifically, and you, you made the point, Ryan, that the company probably yeah. evolved a lot over that period. <clears throat> and and that's sure. actually very true. So there is an extended period of time before I'd say 2016, 2017, where the company was actually very stagnant and it had a bad reputation for um, essentially not innovating. Right. So it was just, it, you know, the, the, mm-hmm. the earnings per share of the revenues, they weren't, they weren't, producing at the level that they are today. Um, since that time, the company had brought on a new CEO and there's been, there's a shift in focus um, to cloud computing as well. So cloud computing now is, um, I believe, the largest of the three segments, uh, the, the three reporting segment, segments in Microsoft. And that's a very high growth industry. Um, so there's, there's, you know, like looking at the company between 2000 and between, say, 2016, um, you're looking at a completely different company than you are from 2016 on, right? Different focus, different growth rate, uh, different everything. But one one point that I will make is that the the person who is arguing in favor of paying a premium, um, his statement at the end was that he would be happy to overpay for a company that uh, that's that's a good solid company. Well, I'll, I'll kind of make a, a point here. If it's a good solid company and it ends up doing well and hitting all of the targets, then in fact you you didn't overpay for it really so the, yes the, yeah of the, course that, that's the whole the point, point of yeah. valuation here when you're doing a valuation analysis is that there is no 
I mean, there is no hard, fast rule which tells you whether or not a company is over or undervalued. I mean, everything is relative. You can have a company trading at five times earnings, which is substantially overvalued because it's not a good business and because earnings are in decline. Whereas you can have a company that is trading at 40 or 50 times earnings um, that offers excellent value because it's in a very strong market uh, and, it, and it is growing. So really when it comes down to valuation analysis, from Keystone's perspective, it's not about just targeting a number that has to be low, like saying, well, I only buy something that trades under 10 times earnings. Yes, that type of investment strategy is going to get you in trouble more than it's going to find you opportunities. Um, it's really trying to figure out how, what kind of expectations are baked in to this valuation. Based on a valuation, if you're looking at a company that's trading at 100 times earnings, you know what is the market expecting this company to achieve over the next one, two, three, four, five years? to justify this valuation today and determining whether or not you believe that is realistic or if there is a high degree of uncertainty over whether or not they are going to be able to achieve those, those expectations. That's really what valuation analysis comes down to. What I like to do when I'm researching a company is I would like to find a company ideally where you know it's a good solid growth business but where I see there's room for the stock price appreciation to be driven both by the earnings and revenue growth, but also by an expansion in the valuation. So if you buy something at 30 times earnings, you know you can see that valuation potentially expanding um, 30 to 35 or even to 40 times earnings. You're getting share price appreciation from that, but you're also getting share price appreciation from just the growth in the earnings per share, the growth and the earnings and growth and the valuation on those earnings. So that's that's. The type, that's what I consider a value investment, and it has nothing to do with the with the nominal value of the price to earnings ratio, or the price to cash flow ratio. But if you're looking at a company that is, you know, trading at 60, 70, 80 times earnings, 100 times earnings, um, you you may have no opinion, or you may not be able to divide. You may not be able to put together an intelligent opinion on whether or not those expectations are actually realistic. And in that case, that's when you're looking at an overvalued opportunity, in my opinion, when you can't see, you, 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 you can't really make a judgment call on whether or not um, those, are, those are realistic expectations. So, you know, really to us at Keystone, growth is a primary consideration. We always wanna invest in a business that is doing well and that is growing. Um, but there is a certain price where that growth is just not worth it. And that might be 20 times earnings, that might be 200 times earnings, but it, there is a certain valuation where it's not worth it. Nothing is worth an infinite price. And that, that's the whole point of being price sensitive as opposed to just anchoring yourself to certain hard, fast rules on not you know going over 20 times earnings or over 15 times earnings. So that's my perspective on it. Yeah. and. Like I would say, we're we're trying to pay and put it simply, just a reasonable price. And we do believe you cannot pay any price. And this is what the tweeter that's coming back, or the Twitter fin twit that's coming back at this uh, individual that put out this statement is saying you can just pay any price in a good business. I mean, we see we look at thousands of company. There are businesses out there today trading at twenty, fifty, and a hundred times, not earnings, but sales. Not earnings and cash flow, but sales. And these are good businesses, but everything will have to go almost perfect for those businesses, many of them over the next three to five years, for example, for them to deliver the returns many investors 
are looking for in those stocks. And what I do see is that many of these individuals or investors that are commenting on these and investing in some of these companies have literally never gone through a sustained correction. And they just factor in almost indefinite growth going forward. But when you've been through a correction and have seen stocks uh, no longer be able to trade at premium multiples, um, you, know, you know, you can see that what you pay, you cannot just pay anything for a business uh, over the long term. And when you do buy it and you think, oh, I'm paying anything, I'm paying an overvalued price. No, you weren't. If it does go up over time, you're paying a good price. And there is some valuation methodology behind that. We just believe you can't just pay any price for a company. I think over the next several years, even to five to decade, we're going to see that in some of the business today that are trading at massive valuations relative to their underlying fundamentals. It will come back to the fundamentals at some point. Yeah, I like the uh, the rebuttal that the OP, the original poster, uh, made just saying not as rare as you might think. The entire NASDAQ index needed fifth or 16 years to recover. You know, and, and this is something that might... That's certainly not cherry picking. There. No, it's I mean, not. Uh, you're talking about the yeah, entire I'm talking index. About exactly, the entire index. Yeah. And this is actually That's a point he said. that I yeah. have heard many, many times from my father. Uh, as he actually began working for Investors Group in 1997, he no longer works there. Um, but but this was just, just right before the tech bubble was, was beginning to take way. And he was essentially starting to invest some of his clients into the market at the elevated market prices of 1999 and uh, 2001, of course, the tech bubble. And over a decade later, the S&P 500 index was trading at the exact level. So if someone just rode the market from 1998 to 2010, they would ha- they would have, have essentially been in the exact same position. Now, of course, I'm ignoring dividends. Um, and if someone was to, you know, continually invest some of their income, uh, you know, no matter if the market's at a high or at a low, I would argue that they're at a better position. But still, it just shows, you mm-hmm. know, you need to make sure that uh, you know you're paying a reasonable price. Um, you know, even if it is the overall market. You know, we did actually, or um, Ryan and myself, we just ended up writing up a little article and posting it on our website as well as our social media. You know, and just kind of making this point that uh, price is what you pay, value is what you get, and you always got to look at value. You can't just pay any price for any business. Yes, and and I hope we you know hammer that point home with investors uh, when they're building that simple fifteen to twenty five stock portfolio that we have to pay attention to the value that we're getting in the underlying businesses that we put into that portfolio. All right, so let's shift gears. Let's look at our star of the week from our stars and dogs segment. It's time for this week's star. star. We got good news for clients. Uh, Photon Controlling, PHO on the TSX. They are leading manufacturer of fiber optic measurement solutions. This company was originally recommended in December 2014 when it traded at 46 cents. Uh, it's been in our focus buy portfolio over that time. It was re-recommended just this past April, March at 88 cents uh, in t- just in 2020. Uh Today's news that came out, uh, it announced that it had entered into an agreement with MKS Instruments, a NASDAQ-listed company, symbol MKSI. They, uh, they would be acquired. They will acquire Photon Control for $3.60 per share, all cash transaction, valued at $387 million. So since that original recommendation, that's a 682% gain. 
I think what is cool here to point out is at the original recommendation, just under seven years ago, the company's market cap was around 46 million. Today, the company has around 50 million plus in net cash in the bank. So more cash in the bank now than the total market cap seven years ago. Uh, After the stock had gained 217% in one year since our recommendation just in March of this year, we advised that clients sell half their original position. We will likely now advise clients to take the offer selling the remaining position. The valuations, while not entirely expensive on a trailing and current basis at 24 times earnings with an EV to EBITDA of around 12, we must remember the company serves a very volatile, historically volatile semiconductor market and can have volatile quarterly numbers. The numbers are more attractive now um, as 2020 was an up year for this segment. On a normalized basis, the 360 offer per share seems fairly fair. Fairly fair. I don't know if I've said that often. Uh, Photon Control has been an excellent investment. It really serves as a strong example of how buying cash-rich, cash-producing, small-cap businesses can be very rewarding over time. Businesses with with this type of profile are very attractive buyout candidates and this can be the ultimate exit strategy as we saw today. We've seen it many, many times in the past and have benefited from takeover transactions with over 25 companies. Companies like Sandvine, International Road Dynamics, Jana Systems and many more and we believe there'll be many more in the future. When you look at cash producing, cash uh, flowing businesses with good balance sheets. Uh, We think that these type of exits can happen ongoing and into the future. Now, I I have no way of knowing when Photon Control was going to be acquired, but I was not surprised to see it would happen today. No, when people ask us all the time when we're, when just in, in, in the context of some of our top performing stocks, like the Expels and the Boyds, that we that we've recommended in the past that have gone up many thousands percent, and they've asked us, you know, did you know that that was going to happen when you recommended the stock? And I mean, of course, we never we can never tell the future, but what we do say is that the reason why we invest in a certain profile of company is because we know that um, that's the type of profile of company that is going to produce those sustainable returns over. A, a multi-year time horizon, um, and that's a focus on profitability, on companies that are growing, that are serving markets, that are going to support future growth and stability in the financial performance, um, and then also with strong balance sheets and photon control. Of course, this was a cash-rich business when we initially recommended it, highly profitable uh, and not well known, so it was trading at a at a at a reasonable valuation, and that's the type of profile. The more companies you own of that profile, the higher your likelihood is of hitting those extraordinary winners like the Boyds and the um, and the Expels. Yeah. And it's some sometimes these businesses like you know it's just a unique cash flowing business that you can find in the market. It's trading at low valuations. I, I mean, when I found originally Photon Control. And I do this with some of these really cash-rich businesses that sometimes have fluctuative earnings over time. You say, okay, on a normalized basis, on an annual basis, I think they can do this much in cash flow. So if they have 40% of their market cap in cash right now, if I look five years out and on a normalized basis, they continue to generate this cash, 
Can they get to a point, even you know, if they fluctuate over time, where their market cap is going to be equal to the cash in the bank? The market cap right now, when you're buying it originally, will be equal to the cash in bank, say, five, six years out. And I remember doing that exercise on photon control, and you saw that you know, at some point in the future, if everything remained equal, they were going to start to equal their uh, market cap in terms of uh, cash value in the bank. There's a couple companies right now in our research one in the gold segment that I look at, and if it continues to produce the cash it does on an annual basis, at some point from our original recommendation, it's going to have you know seventy-five to one hundred percent of it of what its market cap was then in the bank in terms of cash. And there's you know you can find these little anomalies; they may fluctuate in cash flow over time. But if you do that, then you're really buying a business with a margin of safety, kind of if, if their cash value is equal to what you bought it for even five years into the future, if you can forecast that out. So interesting little businesses, they come up when we do our cash rich research every year. And, you know, this is one of them that has been in that report for about eight to nine years now. And now it's another one. There's been there's almost 30 companies now that have been taken over from that research in that report over the past uh, eight to nine years. And we would expect, you know, that profile of company, you can't guarantee it's going to happen three days from now, three months from now, three years from now. But at some point, if they continue to do that and trade at lower valuations, you get an exit strategy by a takeover. Now, they may just go up in value over time and then you can just, you know, your shares appreciate and then you can have your exit strategy whenever you choose in the public markets. But this is a way of also exiting a position when the entire company gets taken over at a premium. You get that premium and get to put that cash in your pocket and now look at some other companies to reinvest in. So it's a good outcome. One, one last point too is just, I think it's so interesting when Ryan uh, reinitiated the buy recommendation in 2020, um, the reason being, I mean, Ryan's followed this company for a long time, but he ended up seeing the backlog increase quite substantially, but we didn't really see the market react to that backlog increase. Isn't that correct? So yeah, there was no, no, uh, reaction exactly. whatsoever. So it was in a time where everybody was scared too, but sure. then they all, they had guidance for the next quarter, which would suggest that, you know, there was going to be a tremendous quarter and there was, they actually beat it, but it, you get to know businesses over time, the more you, um, the more you analyze them, look into them. And one of the indicators, we're typically not selling in and out of a company, but we might take some position off the table. In this case, we had twice. Um, and, you know, it ended up being quite opportune. But, um, you know, when you see that indicator, you get to know the indicator on this company that we looked for to buy back in or go back into the stock or buy our full position. We always had a half position in there. But to take the full position again was, you know, their backlog upticked again. And, you know, it happened and it was certainly a catalyst over the past year. And it, it happened one other time. Worked out past, how you predicted. Well, you know, it can't always, but it's nice to see um, a business like that get rewarded. And, uh, you know, the shareholders that have held uh, get rewarded over the long term. And, uh, you know, this is certainly another case of that. There's other companies in our coverage right now that we're looking at that, you know, you say, how is it trading at four or five times cash flow uh, when it's a cash producing business? Eventually, value gets recognized. And, you know, this is what happened with Photon Control over the past year. Uh, we expect a couple other businesses that we're covering now that we're recommending to our clients those things to happen again one day from now, one month, one year, five years. If you keep buying growth businesses at a reasonable price, typically, 
there's some catalyst in the market that recognizes that and you know that we talked about a company over the the show uh, syllogist syz which cash rich business we've uh recommended for three four years now had a catalyst at the start of this year shares took off 50 percent, right and you know you you just uh you look for those businesses that have a little bit of margin of safety on the downside and then have the potential upside in terms of um, uh, an event or a uh, some kind of uptick in cash flow that can push the share prices higher and that's what we look for for on the on behalf of our clients all the time so i think we're going to get to our dog of the week from our stars and dog segment it's time for this week's dog <laughs> We did our star there. Aaron Dunn's got our dog of the week. And our dog this week is Village Farms International VFF on the TSX. Aaron, I'm going to let you take that one. Great. Okay. So Village Farms International trading today at about $10. It's a $820 million market cap company. Village Farms is one of the largest greenhouse growers in North America with total sales of over $170 million in 2020. The company grows tomatoes, cucumbers, and cannabis. We've talked about Village Farms in various reports we put out on the cannabis sector over the past few years. The company operated as a hydroponic grower of produce for many years and then in 2017 decided to refocus a portion of its growing assets to cannabis. The hydroponic produce market was not a very very profitable place to operate and the company's share price didn't really do much for a very long period of time. After they announced entering into the cannabis space, this initially resulted in a major step up in the company's share value, but since then we've seen a massive amount of volatility, especially lately. Today alone, the company's share price dropped 25% after the release of the Q1 financial results earlier today. The shares are down almost 55% since they achieved a high of around $22 just back in February. So let's take a look at the Q1 results. Q1 sales were up 63% to $52 million. This was primarily driven by an additional $17 million in revenue as a result of cannabis sales and a 9% increase or about an additional $2 million of revenue from the produce business. Adjusted EBITDA on the other hand was down 63% from 1.1 million last year to about 400,000 in the first quarter of 2021. Both the produce and the cannabis EBITDA contributed to this decline. Last year in 2020, the company reported about $7.4 million in adjusted EBITDA. It's important to note that the produce business has not been profitable and has really been a drag on the cannabis business. So Village Farms is one of the few cannabis producers in Canada to report positive EBITDA from its cannabis production. It did have the advantage of its existing hydroponic infrastructure and personnel and experience uh, when they entered the market. Uh, being a cannabis company has resulted in a very wild ride for the share price. Very shortly after the company entered the cannabis market in 2017, the share price shot up from about $2 to over $20. Right after that, very quickly fell back down to $5. Since then, uh, climbed back up to $22 just in February and has now been cut again, more, more than half down to $10. So very wild ride from becoming cannabis stock. And this is fairly typical across the cannabis space, but I would say even more volatility uh, for Village Farms. I really see Village Farms as being driven by more by speculation than substance in the financials. The company has succeeded in generating positive operating earnings from its cannabis segment, but these earnings are still 
very tiny relative to the near billion dollar market capitalization of the company. We personally don't see any value in the produce business. I think that eventually they should just try and divest themselves of it. It's not making any money. It's always been extremely low margin and it just drags down the results of the cannabis segment and really makes it more difficult to analyze the company overall. Uh, the, the management has talked a lot about growth and the opportunity in the CBD market, converting more of their production from produce to cannabis, and then also further expansion internationally, or just expanding internationally rather. Uh, the cannabis sector overall in Canada, of course, has made a lot of promises about growth that have not come to fruition over the years. So when we're looking at all of these uh, these expectations and these promises, I think that it's a very smart move for investors to be very cautious and really look for signs that companies are actually achieving on these targets that they're setting for themselves, as opposed to just setting the targets. The company does face a rather limited market in Canada with regulations that make it difficult to complete with the, keep, compete with the black market. And both inside and outside of Canada, Village Farms is also going to face a serious level of competition. Over the past year, we've been able to identify cannabis stocks with far better profitability today and that also offer substantial growth potential both in the United States and in Canada. So we would, we would focus more on that model, companies that are actually justifying their, their valuations today, um, but that also provide that, that potential going forward. And this is not Village Farms. Uh, we would continue to, to monitor the company and we're certainly going to be doing a lot of research on it um, or providing some commentary on it in our cannabis sector report that is going to be out over the, over the next couple months. But today, Village Farms is not one of our favorite cannabis companies, so we're not recommending a buy. Yeah, and that's a comprehensive analysis, really. I mean, not completely comprehensive, but, you know, it's a good look at the business. Uh, there's just some, if we want to be participating in this sector, we have had some recommendations, just more consistent profitability. And, you know, there's wild fluctuations. If you look forward on the analyst estimates on Village Farms, you can't really get a good um can't get a concrete answer on whether or not they are going to be profitable on in one, two years going forward and whether the growth will be there. Uh, we still have the issue in Canada where, you know, where we could have potential oversupply situation. And from a growing perspective, prices going down over time. It's just it's not where we are right now. We continue to monitor village farms. It's not one of our recommendations. Okay, now let's get into our Your Stock, Our Take. It's time we answer a question on Your Stock in a little segment we like to call Your Stock, Our Take. Buy, sell, or hold. Brennan's going to handle that. The company he's going to look at has been a high flyer. Cielo Waste Solutions Corporation, CMC on the CSE, Brennan. Thank you. Yeah, we've had a lot of uh, questions come in on this stock. Um, it is a high flyer right now, as you said. So Cielo Waste Solutions Corp, CMC on the uh, CSE or the Canadian Securities Exchange, uh, currently trading at a price of around 88 cents and has a market cap of about $342 million. So Cielo Waste Solutions is a Canadian company engaged in the business of refining municipal and construction waste into high-grade renewable fuels. 
Its technologies are focused on materials recovery, renewable diesel, and landfill reduction, and its business operations are carried out in Canada. So right now, it just has one facility that is active, and that is uh, its uh, Alderside facility in Alberta, which sits at about 1,000 litres per hour, which it can generate, and they anticipate doubling capacity to about 2,000 uh, litres per hour by the end of 2021. And then as well, they also are currently working on a joint venture facility in Edmonton, uh, or just outside, I guess, which is expected to be completed at the end of 2022. So looking at the stock's performance, CMC has had a stellar 2021 so far, with the stock beginning the year at about 7.5 cents. Uh, with it now trading at 88 cents, it has provided a return of over 1,000% in just five months. So crazy return here. But let's take a look at what is propelling the stock higher. So in my opinion, I believe that it's being driven by two parts. The first is the green trade. Now, Cielo is taking part in the green or environmentally friendly trade rush as the company turns waste into biofuel, which is very attractive as a business proper proposition. Now, number two, the anticipation for revenue. Cielo's management indicated in their investor presentation that they would begin ramping up production and selling diesel in 2021. And they did actually sell a little bit earlier this year. They sold about uh, $1.5 million worth of diesel um, earlier. And I believe that contract was in February. Now, looking at the company's most recent financial results, this is for Q3 of 2020, ended January 31st of 2021. The company had no revenue since it sold the $1.5 million uh, in diesel after the quarter ended. So nothing to look at there. Uh, the company, uh, the, the net loss for the last nine months was about $4.8 million, and funds used in operations over the same period uh, was about $2.8 million. So that's a cash burn rate, essentially. Um, now, looking at the balance sheet really quickly, they had a net debt balance of $8.3 million on January 31st of 2021. So does the valuation and where it's trading right now make sense? So let's just make a hypothetical scenario that the Alderside facility is currently running at 2,000 liters per hour and is able to run at full capacity, which is 24-hour workdays for a full year. Now that would equate to about 48,000 liters per day or 17.5 million liters per year. So using $1.67 per liter, which they sold their previous diesel for, that would equate to annual revenue of $29.25 million, which in my opinion is the best case scenario because the company isn't expecting to reach the 2,000 liters per hour with the Alderside facility until the end of 2021 and will unlikely be running at full capacity for every single hour in a given year. Um, so considering my very generous estimate, the stock is still trading at 12 times forward revenue. So given this, I believe the stock is very expensive right now. And again, I, wanted to, I want to reiterate that these revenue estimates are very generous as I highly doubt the company will be able to produce 48,000 liters every day for the next year. So from my understanding, the Alderside facility is still uh, far from producing diesel fuel every day as well. So keep that in mind um, as technically my assumption was that they are producing diesel every day.
Now, a couple other red flags that I, I noticed on the stock is in the months of March and April 2021, the CEO sold 3.75 million shares in the price range of $1.30 to $0.90. Cents. So that was after the stock made a nice pop. Um, so he's getting rid of a lot of shares, which isn't a good sign. And as well, I've been getting served an ad online to invest in Celio. It's probably from me doing some due diligence on their website. But this ad is a little concerning to me um, because this is what it says. It says, now is the best opportunity to invest in the future of the planet. Don't miss the boat. Invest in one of the fastest rising stocks in the market. So that marketing on trying to get investors to the stock, that does scare me a little bit. I'm not going to lie. And we, we can touch on that a little bit more afterwards with Ryan and Aaron. And last but not least, the other red flag that I see is the company has 388 million shares outstanding, which is not a very nice float, especially considering the company will have to raise additional cash to expand and pay off its debt since it is still far from profitability. So to conclude, I think this is pretty straightforward that Cielo is far from meeting our investment criteria as the stock is extremely pricey, even considering my generous forward estimates, has a highly levered balance sheet, is far from profitability, while the company has been pumping up the stock with advertising saying don't miss the boat, all while the CEO has been dumping millions of shares. If perhaps the company can get its facilities online, down the road it may be a good stock to look at. But considering my analysis right now, I would definitely choose to avoid it. So this is the kind of stock that we would literally take one look at and probably pass after a minute. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, looking at the financial statements, no revenue. As you said, best case scenario, they're at 12 times revenues, which really puts them more or less in line with a lot of top technology companies like a Facebook or a Microsoft um, but without the profitability. And also this is looking forward. So this is something that uh, has has speculation written all over it. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, and I mean, that marketing there is just FOMO marketing. Don't miss the boat. Uh, like invest in a stock that, you know, is going up essentially. Like that's not a criteria for investing in a stock because the chart shows it going up. Uh, maybe short term, but as far as a fundamental analysis on the business, tell me why this business is investable right now, why it's going to create cash flow over the time that is going to justify its current market valuation and grow that market valuation over the long term. That is what we want to see. see. And you quoted, I think, uh, 300 million or something shares outstanding. Yeah. I mean, I believe fully diluted, it's like 652 million. That might be correct. Uh, yeah, yeah, the market cap that this company is getting uh, relative to the uh, the fundamentals of the business right now, it's a if everything goes right, if we are able to raise the money to bring all of these projects online, then we will potentially start producing cash flow. Well, you know, there's other businesses out there that are producing cash flow. They're in. If you want green, there is a green investments to invest in at far lower prices that have a far more proven track record. So, you know, yes, there may be potential here, but, you know, on the other side, like I don't like buying into businesses where, and in this case, competing fuel options without subsidies are more economical. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've seen this in the past, this anaerobic digesters, this is not exactly what this business is, but turning food waste into biofuel, we've seen them in the past. It's just not economical. So it's never really stuck relative to without the subsidies. So, 
you know, there's many questions that we'd have with this business. Um, we do love that. And I understand they're trying to reduce waste, which is great, you know, great to see, but is it economical? And with the share structure uh, right now, and the fact that there is really no, you know, you haven't proven out the proof of concept here in terms of producing cash flow from one project and the valuation the company is getting right now. Um, it's just one that we'd stay on the sidelines until they can show us, show us the money, you know, yep. Jerry Maguire, show me the money. Show I don't see money. it here right now. I don't see the cash flow. If I don't see it, I'm going to wait on the sidelines and allow other people to put their hard earned dollars into a business like that. When I can buy businesses right now, that are four to six times cash flow growing, have cash in the bank and have the same type of or similar growth prospects. It's always about where I can effectively put my money uh, with less downside risk. And in this case, I see that in other businesses. And that's why we'd steer clear right now of the, of, of this company, CMC. Okay, that's going to conclude our show for this week. Uh, I'd like to thank everybody for sending in their questions. Keep sending in your questions to our Your Stock Our Take, to our Case for Case Against segments, or ask us anything. We'll endeavor to answer those going forward. Keep liking and rating us if you want to on uh, on Facebook, or sorry, on iTunes, anywhere where you get your social media or consume your podcasts. Uh, we'd love to hear your feedback and love to have you rating us. We'll complete or continue to produce this type of content on a weekly basis happy mother's day belated mother's day and i wish you profitable investing profitable investing thanks everyone